Hello, and welcome back to Breakout, the podcast from The Great Escape. This is episode 201, and today we're talking about what we've been up to. I'm Rich, and as always, I'm joined with my TG cohorts, author Chrissy Harrison, and film director and comic book publisher Mark Adams. Hello. Hello. Uh, yeah, you're getting better than the ones this time. Uh, we had the sad gonna... news that Ben and Fleck have had to return to their home planet. Their planet needed them and they have been deleted. Do not lie. They're on an adventure in the Atlantic. They've gone to Hollywood. They actually have gone They've to literally gone to they Hollywood. They are at this Hollywood. very moment in time in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. But they They've did take business cards, they promised me. They did. Excellent, excellent. So... I guess, what have we been up to? What have I been up to? Well, currently I am um, once again trying to make a horror film. <laughs> I'm producing Clownface for Alex Bourne, the lovely Alex Bourne, who is uh, making his feature film debut with uh, Clownface. So apart from filmmaking, I've been making more comics, um, working with some brilliant artists, and attending the amazing premiere of Carnival Sorrows, which I'm sure we'll have a chance to talk about, and and generally getting on. Rich? Um, well, I would say that a lot of the time that we've been not podcasting has basically been a long hiatus while we do our post-production and finishing of, of um, Carnival of Sorrows, which is our first feature film, what you just mentioned, Mark. Um, it's the latest adventure in the Gable Cushing franchise. Uh, I've mostly been tied to my desk working on the film sound to make it sound as good as the picture looks he says tied we, we mean literally there's chains and everything oh yeah basically i've been wound up with xlr cables and therefore you know i pretty much not be able to leave my desk um which is a shame because actually since we last had a podcast i've actually had a new job but even though it's less exciting i think that you know it has but his, his new job is quite good, actually, because now he's actually allowed out of the house uh, during yeah. work hours and he gets to actually see other people, oh, yes. um, which has been quite good for his sanity. It has. I'm certainly not crazy anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chrissy. Speaking of new jobs, I've got one of those as well. Um, but, uh, but my day job is, is just my day job. Um, and uh, what I have been doing recently is pushing forward on getting my novel finished so that's quite exciting i had um uh, a cocktail to celebrate finishing my i call it a first draft but it's like a lot of it had probably been rewritten six or seven times by the time it got to that point but it was a complete draft from start to finish which was a new experience for me but yes but i'm i'm now um working through another round of edits and um hopefully we'll be have uh, have that down um by the end of october ready for um my beta readers to have a look at it and tell me how rubbish it is oh we're looking forward <laughs> to it it's gonna be brilliant I'm, I'm very excited to to read this novel um i don't like to tell you how rub- how rubbish it is i like to I think Are you saying that Chris's cre- novel's not, cre- not cre- creatively eviscerate every detail I can in the way that I think the worst critic or the worst reader ever would. So then you can just either ignore it or go, hmm. Yep. Yes, that, that'll be it. So like, here is my novel. Please make your best attempt at a creative evisceration. <laughs> I think that's, that's a, the best element of really beautiful, you know, isn't it? In a, in a sense, like sort of... Um, that you can crush the hopes and dreams of creative people. <laughs> well, Aww. yeah, legitimately. Well, yes. They ask you to. But no, it's more the case that I think um, the wrong approach almost is to just say the stuff you like in a way. And, and I think you almost want to go too far in terms of picking up on everything because that way you, 
you, you won't miss anything and you sort of yeah. start really breaking something down. Uh, to be fair, we're broaching into a possible topic here and actually I might suggest that we do that one at some point and that mm. is actually a podcast on um, critiquing um, because mm. it's a, it's a quite a difficult thing to learn sometimes and um, I, I think sometimes the, the, the balance is, is um, uh, my favourite thing is the, um, is the poop sandwich. You, you say something nice. I'm not a fan that. of the poop sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> to us, I can't say that many people are a fan of the poop sandwich. But the theory is that the bread is nice and the middle between the bread is not nice. And so you, you provide a piece of positive feedback, followed by a piece of negative feedback, followed by a piece of positive feedback, which, you know, brackets the negative between two things. Yeah, but the problem with the poop sandwich, <laughs> that I, I, I love the allegory of the poop sandwich, but I must point out that bread is what you call the... The thing to actually hold the good stuff let's, in, in. Let's let's uh, not get hung up on the poop sandwich like, analogy. My mind. Oh wait, if it was a brioche roll, for instance. I really wish you know. I hadn't brought this up. <laughs> See about the poop sandwich. My my issue actually more is that it it, it implies not only that two thirds of it is consistently good, but if you're doing a systematic analysis through something, yeah. that you have to somehow oh, force good. No, I think it, it's uh, you know, the way I use it is I, I when I do. Um, critiquing if I do inline comment critiquing then obviously it's just it's mm. all commented where it is in the, the story but if I then do a summary afterwards I'll start with something positive and then I'll give all the negative and then I'll end with constructive points at the end so just as a you know in terms of a uh, like a cover page so oh yeah no I, yeah. I'd agree with that I think the main thing though for, for me is almost don't just eviscerate sure but don't yeah. just eviscerate absolutely ha- yeah. include some stitches don't necessarily say you've got to use these stitches, but say, you know, here's some suggestions. Here's Yes. As I said, let's let's keep this one for another day because we can definitely um do a full discussion on the the the, the ways that you can go about oh, there we go. providing there we go. restrictions. Maybe make critiquing and also reviewing in yeah, general. Exactly. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that's a really good idea. Yeah, we'll do that. Is a, give us some feedback. Do you want to hear about feedback? <laughs> we want your feedback on feedbacking, so we can do a podcast on feedbacking which you can then feedback on. I'll also make sure that it has lots of feedback on it. <laughs> okay, so that's what we've been doing recently. Have you seen any good films this summer, Rich? Um, yes. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I thought I knew where this was going, but he swung, a swung into a new direction. New direction. So, yeah, no, in terms of films that I've seen seen over the summer that have been particularly good, um, I would say that the best one so far has been Baby Driver. Baby Driver was really good. Which was the latest Edgar Wright film. Okay, and, and not was, a sequel to Boss Baby. Not a sequel to Boss Baby. Okay. No. So I say they got that out quick. Exactly. It was it was it was instantaneous. It soon became that uh, Alec Baldwin was driving cars. You know, it's it's the grown up version of Alec Baldwin. <laughs> Isn't Alec mm. Baldwin? Anyway, no, so what's what, Boss Boss Baby Driver about then? It's a Edgar boss? Wright's take on a on a heist on the heist movie, the you know the heist genre. Yeah. Um. You know, so it's all you know bank jobs and um. You know. Uh. But it's it's uh also at the same time tied in with a, a the idea of sort of music as a um crutch a mental crutch I think <laughs> for yeah. for one of the characters and so it's um it's almost like one long music video and it's it's uh, beautifully sort of choreographed and and it has a, a really nice rhythm to it so it, it was a really good film so, so basically people, it's lock stock meets guardians of the galaxy 
No. No, not really. <laughs> One thing it isn't, and that's something we confuses people. One thing it isn't is it's not a driving film. Okay. Despite being, it has driving in it, yeah, it has and, driving in and it. the driving stunts in it are really cool. But um, but yeah, I was saying predominantly the there's only two major um, driving scenes in it, and a lot of people who went in there thinking, "Hey, this is a movie about cars." It isn't. It's, it's not, not sort of Fast not and Furious. So. Okay, no, it's, well, it's, it's the same. It is predominantly heist movie. Surely, surely that's else. basically like the later Fast and the Furious films, though. Mm-hmm. They're, they're increasingly not about cars to the point. Yeah. Uh, you see, the fifth one's brilliant. It has this brilliant moment. I don't know if you've seen. Have you seen? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant moment where they, uh, if you haven't seen it, where all the, they're, they're all about street racing originally, and there's a lot of racing, and every film has this ridiculous over the top racing to see who gets to drive the car. Yeah. It's the fifth film. There's this brilliant moment where they're like, it sets all that up that they're, they're going to go to the race to work out. Ready, steady, go. And it cuts to the end of the race. Yes. That's it. They just, cut it out. I know, it's I mean, it was just like... <laughs> but the whole film sort of evolved into this kind of action franchise now, which is actually ridiculously over-the-top stupid, but incredibly fun at the same mm. time. So, Yes, that's one thing we also did that summer, was that was um, mainline all of the Fast and Furious films. That's not true. Uh, we haven't seen seven and eight yet. We haven't seen seven. We, and, no, we did it with the anticipation to watch Fast and Furious eight when it came out in the cinema. Yes, but then and then we'd actually go see Fast and Furious do eight. That, yeah. So um, <laughs> yeah, we need to see some of the later ones, but I can't remember where we're up to five or six. But I'm very keen to see seven just because it's by a a personal. It's got a new director because the same director did three to six, and then seven's directed by James Wan, who uh, is most famous for Insidious and the Conjuring films. Ooh, I'm looking. There you go. And he's also now directing. It's for Marvel DC. Is he doing Aquaman? I think he's doing Aquaman. Mm. So I'm in- intrigued to see what he does actually with, with an action film, mm. basically. Uh, well, we also went and saw um, the Spider-Man: Homecoming. Yes, which, which was, very good. was fantastic. I have, don't think I've ever seen a film that better captured the franticness of a teenage boy's mental state. <laughs> it was just the the pace of the film. I don't think I've ever seen anything quite so fast paced. It was brilliant. It was, it was no point did that film pause for breath at any stage during that. I've seen that great. Yet. I love the whole concept in the Spider Man film. Um, there's because it's the, essentially the third reboot of a Spider-Man film, <laughs> everyone already knows the basis of how Spider-Man gets his powers. And actually, in Homecoming, they just skip right over it. They, they cover they, the entire thing in about 30 seconds. It, they, <laughs> they start the film after he's got his powers um, and um, and cover it in a sort of like a montage of his uh, friend asking him annoying questions, which was just brilliant. <laughs> well, Amazing. obviously they always set him up in, in Civil War, the Marvel. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Civil War, but they've, I'm, I'm intrigued to see it because, frankly, I, he, he, having just seen Civil War, he's so cute. <laughs> he's like this little baby Spider-Man. Yeah. Like- <laughs> I, I think there's something actually quite interesting about... The idea of not start start starting Spider-Man story not with the spider bite, because uh, when you're sort of you know narrative structure and so on and so forth, they, they often uh, you know say that the you need to start your story as close to the end as possible, because you know you want you want to be able to sort of cover the important part of the story, and um, in a way, if they'd have gone. You know, obviously they'd done all of the stuff with Civil War, but if they had sort of tried to do 
all of the stuff, spider bite and everything at the beginning and then, you know, him getting in touch with, with Stark and then uh, 18 months later, maybe summarise what happened in Civil War. It would have been complete waffle at the beginning of the film mm. that they didn't need. And so, you know, the making that choice to come in at the point at which something happens that starts this story, you know, is, is quite, you know, important. Um, I haven't seen it busy mm. yet, but what's interesting is how it plays into somehow trouble some DC films, but with generally the reason we all, all these origin films are actually because for a lot of these superheroes, the origin story is the most interesting story you can tell with this character initially from Spider-Man is that we told it twice you know everyone knows it it's so mainstream mm. as you say it, it it wouldn't be interesting to tell that again yeah with this iteration just because it's too familiar um so yeah so they're sort of finding a way to do that and it's something, that, it's something that I think actually Marvel have been very good at where previous um, superhero franchises, I think, maybe haven't done very well. And that is in when they make sequels, they don't just make more story. They pick a story to tell. Yeah. Um, as in they look at takes, for example, um, Iron Man 3. You know, mm. you've got a specific story there of him dealing with post-traumatic stress. Yeah. And so you they, they chose what is the theme of this story that we're going to tell? How are we going to use this character to tell this story? And they, they do it across the whole mm. range. Um, but when you take some older um, superhero franchises, um, like some of the older Batman franchises and so on and so forth, the, 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 the first one is an origin story and then the later ones are just we'll just pick a bad guy and just have him fight a bad guy. And it's like, there's no sub, the the sequels never have substance Mm. to them because they haven't picked an actual story to tell with the main character. And one of the problems is, is one of the stories you can get with a villain to make them interesting is that you tell that villain story, one of the most interesting story again from a lot of superhero villains is their origin, not necessarily Mm. their very origin, but their initial kind of, for the heroes who are investigating who they are, where they come from. One of my biggest problems with what DC have done is essentially they've skipped all that. Yeah. Like folks said, especially with the, the Batman one, most of the Batman villains, for instance, their principal, and because Batman's an mm. investigative character originally in the comics, is who is this villain? What are they doing? What is their murder drop around? Mm. Kind of, but he already knows all that. It's like by by setting their, their films right at the end of later life suddenly yeah. all these characters would, would exist so they might do a flashback film but at the same time it's, it's a flashback film yeah. so Harley Quinn as a character her most interesting story you can tell in many ways is her origin story mm. but you've, you've you've missed that chance and it's never been told in film mm. so it, it seems such an odd way to do it whereas I think at least with Marvel you've built up to it. You've built up to the Avengers and that, and you've built up to and all these characters you know, whereas DC are trying to catch up, so they've leaped straight into the, the team film where you don't really know any of the team. Yeah. I also think that um, a lot of the DC films and, and some of the old ones, that they, they over-characterise their villains, whereas Marvel are always very uh, keen to make sure that they have at least one antagonist who is identifiable, mm. as in not just a monster, mm. but an antagonist. And, yeah. that, and the thing is, the antagonist might not necessarily be the, the, the monster in the film you know it's like it might well be another character but they always have some kind of antagonist there to drive the story um you know that that uh, is is more human and is, is has a face you mm. know i think what makes it interesting about films like um iron man 3 where they in a way they couldn't decide on whether they were trying to te- say that the 
the bad guy was the bad guy or the bad guy was Tony Stark himself. And, I think and all of the principle of him fighting his own. I demons, think the important it kind of lets it a bit confused. I think the important thing is that Marvel will attempt to do both in yeah. a film, and that's what makes their movies better. Because actually, nobody wants to watch a superhero movie where the superhero has no character arc. Mm. You know, it's like yeah, you can do it, and yeah, if you properly exploit the bad guy's story, mm. like I, I think the second of the Tobey Maguire era of um oh, spider-man with doc, doc ock he was really good and that and by following his story and alfred Molina's portrayal of him mm. was was really good that held that one together because actually what was happening mm. with spider-man was like pff, not the interesting fell apart well yes exactly yeah. but but that's the thing is if you don't have a story arc for your protagonist mm. then does anybody really care about the film and and that's kind of the point that's, and that's why i i don't get the criticism or another origin story because okay as long as you do it well the origin story is the most obvious arc you can give a character at first. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Spider-Man obviously is so well known. That's why I'm kind of intrigued to see Homecoming yeah. does it because it's got that difficult thing of yeah. skipping that over. Well, I think it's it's yeah. the um, the idea that that yeah the, the 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 hero the hero's journey the hero's origin story is is one you know um, pattern that you can you can tell mm. a story by, but it's not the only pattern, and there, and there's nothing to say that you can't use other patterns that exist with a superhero as the protagonist. Oh yeah. So for instance, I would say that Spider-Man: Homecoming is a coming of age story. Oh, excellent. Um, I would say that um, you know, as you say, um, Iron Man three is 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 Tony Stark mm. dealing with a mental illness. So you've got that sort of you know overcoming oh, personal yeah. demons. So you know you've got there are lots of different story patterns, but I think Marvel are the first first people to properly embrace the idea that you can tell more than one yeah. kind of story with superheroes. Oh yeah, no, definitely. And, and it's more it's more the case of, I, whilst I agree on that, what I was almost kind of getting at is why skip over one of the most interesting ones, mm. which is the origins. With Spider-Man, it makes perfect sense because we've seen it twice. Yeah. It's done to death. So they, they're, and they're already going in that. But you look, the Iron Man origin story, or even Guardians of the Galaxy, it's, it's in a sense the team coming together. It's still an origin story, a, a, mm. a team build uh, story. And and it, the reason they keep coming back to it with um, Doctor Strange and... And they're like, it's because it's a strong story to tell. Absolutely. And there is a hundred and hundreds of thousands of different ways that you can tell it as well, you know, because every, every hero comes into their, you know, their origin story with a different set of baggage, you know, so. And a, and a sort of different narrative build, I think. Yeah. And it just, it just seems counterintuitive, I think, for DC to essentially make the entire franchise the only way you can do the origins is as flashbacks I'm not really sure to to be fair I I think DC are floundering a little bit that they're not wholly sure what they want to achieve Mm. Um, and and in addition they're trying to do it at such a rapid pace Mm. in order to catch up with Marvel that they're just they're they're missing beats Mm. left right and Mm. centre in fact the only exception is that Wonder Woman has been particularly um, particularly good as a result I mean even that is essentially a flashback origin story yeah, from her exactly. previous yeah but it works enough because i think it's something different in and new and we need to see that and yeah but again i mean look at the captain america series really i mean that it's astounding each of those three films are so different you've got a a really kind of slightly pulpy great it's got a red skulled nazi as a villain kind of thing you know mm. and then you've got a cold war thriller and then you've got civil war which is this sort of massive team movie. Yeah. all of them give Captain America, his own story arc throughout that works yes, out. Yeah, it's strange that even DC 
films that you would consider to be the great ones, like, for example, Christopher Nolan's Batman series, still suffered from, whilst they had great origin there with Batman Begins, by the time they got to the third film, they were essentially repeating themselves. Well, the thing is, they... Even though there was a myriad of characters that they could have still dealt with. But that's the thing, isn't it? That they did, um, you know, that they did the origin story, and then they did a piece that was held together by the villain... And the yeah. villain story, you know, it was it was it was more the Joker story than it was Batman. Anyway, I would, I would say it's sort of about Batman in the sense of defining who he was. Oh yeah, um, no, no, it, no, but that's the thing is, that, yeah, the, of course you yeah. have that the protagonist has an arc as well. But what actually held that film together was mm. the villain. But then the third one didn't have the strong villain. It didn't have the story arc for for, for Batman. So it just kind of was a bit wishy washy. Mm. It's Batman faces the bad guy. That's it. That's I think one of the problems with it as well was that. Batman Begins especially felt like it was setting up for a franchise. The second one developed that, and then the third one went, no, no, this is a trilogy. I think because almost yeah, because of the prestige of the fair. second yeah. one, suddenly it wasn't, oh, we can keep this going. And that seems to be a fear, actually, of, of re-cat, re-getting new directors in and mm. doing something different. Mm. Marvel's shown that you can just keep building yeah. you know, and doing new ones. But at that point, it very much felt like, okay, this is Nolan's last mm. one. Yeah. Anyway, I think we should probably draw a line there before we get into a full topic about oh, yeah. uh, the, uh, the the benefits of Marvel versus DC. But um, uh, Marcus, was there a film that you saw over the summer that you wanted to talk about? I've so uh, gotten in in my my head around this now. I've completely gone blank. Uh, I've I have been to see uh, a few films. Um, slightly going back to the DC, I have actually recently saw the best Batman film ever put to screen, which is Lego Batman. Hey. Absolutely amazing. Not only for story arcs and characters, just because it's so clever and witty and, again, has all the reference to all the characters in the world. And for all the humour is really true to those kind of characters. It's absolutely amazing. It is actually the best Batman film and you should see oh, it. Oh, it's a shame. We didn't go and see that in the cinema. Yeah, I love that. Well, um, I'm hoping to see It soon, which is the, the film at the moment. Um, yes, Crazy Clowns what? are in right now. Crazy Clowns are in right Hang on, now. Hang on. Token joke. You're seeing what? It. What? It. Enough, 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 enough. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, uh, scary clowns are in right this, this, in vogue this season. So, you know. um, As I mentioned before, I'm uh, working on Clown Face, obviously, which, uh, yes, scary clowns are in, which is quite nice, which um, we're sort of doing as a a project with, as I say, Alex Bourne, who directed a short as part of House of Screaming Death, is now doing a feature uh, producing. And um, and you're actually fundraising for that right now, yes. aren't you? So, um, in fact, actually, this this podcast will be coming out just in time for people to catch the tail end of that. So. Yeah, on Kickstarter, um, which where you can find us. And we have loads of details on our Facebook page, which is Facebook slash Clown Face Killer. Um, yeah, it's been growing steadily. Um, we, we reckon, actually, with uh, a little bit of push at the end, we will... Hit our goal, and this film is is happening. We've done a third of it, and it's it's getting a lot of support, and a lot of people are interested in it and contacting us about it. And it's it's a kind of a mix of psychological thriller with eighties gore film. <laughs> it's all matched that together, if you can imagine it. It's it's got some quite bloody effects from Steve Bosworth, who uh, 
It did, did some of uh, our creature effects on uh, um, Carnival of Sorrows. Beastman, um, very cool. He's uh, he's been um, making uh, vampire fangs for many many years now, and uh, he's got a, a thriving sort of independent business going, making prosthetics and and, and, and teeth and he's other things. Talented, yeah. Incredibly talented. Uh, we've got quite a few people actually. Uh, it seems it's a weird one. It's like a um, south southwest South Wales Birmingham co-production yeah <laughs> sort of half the cast and crew come from these sort of two locales so it's it's going to be good so hopefully you know take a look have a look at the the clip of uh what we've done and uh yeah, so support think, yeah. that yeah if you like um and in terms of things that are upcoming beyond Clownface, is there anything else people are really looking forward to uh, well, we've got quite a lot of convention appearances between us over the next couple of uh, uh, of months. Uh, I mean, I know I'm doing uh, Bristol HorrorCon and uh, BristolCon, which is the uh, Bristol Sci-Fi and Fantasy um, convention at the end of October. And uh, Mark, you've got conventions all over the place in October, <laughs> haven't you? So We've got Bristol HorrorCon as well, obviously, but we've also got Birmingham HorrorCon and Liverpool HorrorCon. <laughs> Do you see a do you see a theme appearing here in amongst con, cons in October? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I should should note that Bristol Hawkon is is a separate one to the other ones. I think it's uh, it's possibly one of my, my favourites. Not um, in terms of just not just because it's local, but it's a really kind of intimate community sort of based yes. one. Yeah, the others are, have the big guests and the big venues, and they are great. Yes. I'd love them all, mm. but sometimes it's also it's it's much more of a um, it's not a a convention like a like a, a, a lot of comic conventions are it's much more of a convention like a like an expo you know like like yeah. like a um like like a convention for um se- really there's a lot of seminar whole. seminars and yeah. talks and things like that Film rather screenings. than yeah exactly rather than um sort of um you know lots of stalls and, and guests mm. and so on and so forth although although i'm geeking out a little bit because um uh, a writer friend of mine who i haven't seen in years is is, is coming along to this this year's bristol oh, yeah. so um as steve McHugh, um who's somebody i've known um in the sort of online capacity for mm. years but author um I've, I've literally yes yes very successful um indie author with um uh with one of amazon's publishing uh houses uh and he he, he started off self-published um and uh now he's with uh, 47 north which is one of amazon's imprints so and he's uh just releasing book seven in his series this year so it's oh, very exciting and um yes i've only actually in person met him once which was in passing as we were like wafted past each other at, at the um London Book Fair one year <laughs> and so I'm like I know you yes I know you too and waved at each other and that was it <laughs> so I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting a chance to say hi so that would be cool um and yeah my October is looking really busy um and partly part of that is because it's actually also Bristol Festival of Literature <laughs> in October as well uh, and so there's loads and loads of literary events going on in, in and around Bristol and um if you want to check out all the different things if you just google Bristol Bristol Literature it'll it'll come up um, I am principally my my contribution to this is going to be um, that uh, along with the North Bristol Writers, my my writers group, we're going to be doing a storytelling event at Arnesvale Cemetery um, on the nineteenth of October called Graveyard Tales. 
<laughs> we will be taking taking our audience on a tour around the grave uh, graveyard and uh, telling them spooky stories in various locations around the graveyard, which is going to be good fun. So there's that. Last year, um, I wasn't involved, but they did, did do the same event last year and they sold out really early. So if you haven't already got tickets, buy them now. Oh, um, you, can go, okay. you can get them through the Arnest Vale website. Um, so if you just Google Arnest Vale um, and uh, you'll find the cemetery website there. Uh, and then after that, day after that, I'm doing... Well, I've been roped into doing Flash Slam, um, which is a, um, well, you heard of poetry slams, right? Well, this is prose slam. <laughs> so it's, it's 350 word prose uh, short it's, stories it's told. Bas- it's basically eight mile with tweed. <laughs> it, it's, it, it, it's competitive short fiction. <laughs> so that should be fun. Um, and it's uh, it's all ba- it's all judged on a clapometer kind of thing. So we're all going for trying to make something slightly humorous, but um so there's that. And then uh, then there's a book fair in Stokes Croft on the Saturday after that. So um, that's three days in a row. I will be out and about in Bristol doing things with books. So Can I just also put a shout out on Clownface? We've got a wonderful band, uh, Lesbian Bed Death. <laughs> it's a great name. <laughs> <laughs> they have done an original song for us. They're kind of goth punk. But they are actually playing at a... Um, event in Bristol they're on Halloween so we'll be going sat there supporting another band called um Birthday Massacre I want to call it uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> so they'll be in 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 Bristol on on Halloween night oh there so you go sounds be, like a party going there excellent and I'm I don't really have anything to add. I'm going to be at the Arnest Vale Cemetery event. Um, Actually, that's a good point. Rich will be at uh, the Arnest Vale Cemetery event, trailing us around with a microphone. So, yes. um, because so. actually, we are going to turn the event into an ebook. So, um, it will be um, possible after um, the event towards the end of this year to uh, download that one and uh, listen to the an event and an audio book. Uh, well, it'll be an audio book first, and then there will be a book following next year, but not until later next year, um, which will be uh, Graveyard Tales, but it will be an expanded version. So it will have yeah. all the stories from the Arnest Vale event, but it will also have a lot of other longer longer short stories in it as well. So Exactly. So look, up, look out for that. Um, probably in November, I imagine. Mm-hmm. And if you're desperate for books to buy already, then we still have um, we have uh, the dark half of the year, which came out last year, um, and we are actually now obviously sliding into the dark half of the year of this year. It's so brilliant! Exactly. I read it, and it's got some amazing. Stories yeah, we've got some it. really good stories in there by some of the best authors in this area. Um, you know, published authors from from Bristol and, and and the surrounding area, and a few that are sort of associate members from a little further afield. So, and uh, that leads us quite handily into. Um, in our next episode, we'll be talking on Halloween about what makes something scary. So if you have any ideas about what makes things scary for you, then let us know on our Facebook page, uh, TG Breakout, um, or uh, contact us via our website, the, thegreatesc.com. So I guess that's about wraps it up for this episode of Breakout. So from Chrissy, Mark, and myself, Rich, it's bye for now. Bye for now. Farewell.